And uh, as you remain standing, let's take our Bibles, if you would, and turn with me to the book of Habakkuk. All right, Habakkuk, uh, chapter number three, Habakkuk, chapter number three. And uh, we're going to look at the last uh, few verses there in the book of Habakkuk and uh, in the Old Testament. And I'd like to bring to you a message entitled uh, here this morning, just a simple thought on rejoicing, rejoicing in the Lord and having the right attitude uh, as we think about the truths here in Habakkuk chapter uh, number three. We're going to look at verse number 16 down to verse number 19. And then we'll have a word of prayer, and then we'll jump right into the message uh, here this morning. Habakkuk chapter number 3, and I still see a lot of you still uh, turning pages, all right? And so if you haven't found it by now, just just pretend, all right? Just pretend that you got it there, and uh, we're going to read Habakkuk chapter number 3, verse 16 down to verse number 19. The Bible reads there, When I heard, my belly trembled, my lips quivered at the voice, rottenness entered into my bones, and I trembled in myself. That I might rest in the day of trouble, when he cometh up unto the people, he will invade them with his troops. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat, the flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hinds feet, And he will make me to walk upon mine high places to the chief singer on my stringed instruments. I want you to notice verse number 18. The Bible says there, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this morning. And we thank you for uh, just what you've allowed us to do thus far. We thank you, Father, that we can gather here in this chapel hour. And uh, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts. I pray, Father, that you would minister to us through the Holy Spirit of God, and Lord, you would teach us truth that we need to learn here this morning. Lord, as we think about the character of Habakkuk, as we think about uh, just the attitude of having joy, I pray, Father, if there are some in this room that are maybe struggling with that uh, spirit of rejoicing, I pray, Lord, that this morning it would encourage them and strengthen them that they would rejoice once again in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we pray that you bless this time and uh, use it all for your glory and for your honor, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Oftentimes in life, one of the most important aspects in any given situation that we find ourselves in is in regards to our personal perspective, our personal outlook, and our attitude. It has often been said that attitude determines your altitude. Uh, Attitude determines how far you would go in certain aspects of this life. I think about a story that was often told by President Ronald Reagan, and uh, he told a story about two brothers. And uh, one brother was increasingly pessimistic, and the other brother was constantly optimistic. And uh, after several years, the parents wanted to uh, see a psychiatrist. He wanted them to find some emotional balance. And so they found a psychiatrist, and they took the very first son, the one that was pessimistic, And they put him in a room full of toys. Uh, Everywhere he could look, that room was filled with toys. And they observed how he would react to that room. And sure enough, after a few minutes, he sat down right in the middle of the room. And he started crying. There was tears that started to stream on his face. And they went into that room and asked him, what's the problem and what's wrong? You have all these toys around you. And that boy responded, if I play with these toys, they will probably break and I'll ruin them. And so he started and continued crying. Then they got the next boy, and uh, this was the optimistic one, and they put him in a room, and that room was filled with manure. Uh, From the floor to the ceiling, from wall to wall, I mean, it was filled with manure. 
and they opened up that door and sure enough this optimistic boy he dove right into that pile he started digging all over the place with his bare hands and they were observing that and the father he just got fed up and so after a while he barged into that room and he grabbed his son he said what in the world are you doing and that son responded to his dad dad with this much manure there just has to be a pony in there somewhere and you know many of us if we're not careful we tend to be like that first son right we always see everything as the glass half empty we are inclined to complain and gripe and over the years we don't even realize our habit of pessimism we don't even realize the spirit of murmuring that we have developed within our lives i think about what one author said he said complaining is like bad breath you notice it when it comes out of somebody else's mouth but not your own and you see according to the bible it is very clear here this morning that a complaining spirit uh, that a murmuring spirit ought not to exist in the life of a christian furthermore it ought not to exist in anybody who is alive and still has breath the bible says in lamentations chapter 3 verse 39 wherefore doth the living man complain and then the bible says in philippians chapter 2 verse number 14 do all things without murmurings and disputings and this morning as we think about the character of Habakkuk, uh, we find here a man who had much to complain about regarding his circumstances, regarding the situation that he found himself in. He was living during a time of great sinfulness in the land of Judah. And despite all of his prayers and the petitions that he brought before the Lord, we find here in the scriptures that it seemed like to him that God was not listening and that God was not answering. In Habakkuk chapter 1, verse number 2, the Bible reads there, O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear? Even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity, and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are that raise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous, therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. And so we find here Habakkuk was confused. We find here Habakkuk was perplexed concerning his circumstance and the hand of God. Nevertheless, as we continue through this passage, we find here that Habakkuk, despite his circumstances, he trusted in the character of God. Uh, he trusted in the heart of God and the promises of God. And despite his situation, he was rejoicing in the Lord and he had an attitude that was filled with joy within his life. And I want you to notice with me here this morning several thoughts as we uh, study these verses here concerning Habakkuk and his rejoicing spirit according to these verses. First of all, notice with me just a little bit about the background. And uh, I find here the crisis. Notice the crisis that we find within these verses. In verse number 16, we find the coming destruction. The coming destruction. The Bible says, when I heard, my belly trembled. My lips quivered at the voice, rottenness entered into my bones, and I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he cometh up unto the people, he will invade them with his troops. You see, Habakkuk ministered most likely during the time of King Jehoiakim. It was during a time when uh, the first Babylonian invasion would take place of Judah right around 605 B.C. And just like the northern kingdom of Israel that was conquered by the Assyrians about 117 years prior to that time, we find here now the southern kingdom of Judah was about to be conquered and destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar and the Chaldeans, who are also known as the Babylonians. 
And that was the vision that was received by Habakkuk from the Lord. For God told him, because of the rebellion of my people, uh, because of the sinfulness of Judah, I have raised up a king. I have raised up Nebuchadnezzar and the armies of Babylon that they might cast judgment upon my people. In Habakkuk chapter 1, verse number 6, the Bible reads there, For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. And so Habakkuk was living in these times where he would most likely, according to many scholars, uh, witness that destruction himself. Uh, he would see and hear about the murder of thousands of his countrymen. He would hear and see about the captivity of the Jews to the Babyl uh, Babylonian kingdom. Uh, he would see uh, uh, the destruction of that land. And, and you see, for Habakkuk, times were changing. Uh, he was about to lose his home. He was about to lose his friends and family, his possessions and his country. And so we find here, as we think about the crisis, there was this coming destruction. God had let Habakkuk know that the King Nebuchadnezzar is being raised into a position where he would perform judgment upon Judah. And so we find here the coming destruction. But notice, as we continue in verse number 17, I find here the complete desolation. Uh, not only the coming destruction, but the complete desolation. And it says there in verse number 17, Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat, the flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. And here Habakkuk describes in further detail the extent of the destruction and the desolation of the land of Judah. Uh, not only will their government be toppled, uh, not only will their cities be destroyed, and not only would men be taken into captivity, but also we find here that the land and, and the livestock would be left completely barren. It says that it would be fruitless and completely desolate. It says the fig tree shall not blossom. Uh, the vines will have no fruit. The olive shall fail. The fields shall yield no meat. There will be no flock and herd that would be remaining within the stalls. And so we find here this great crisis in the life of Habakkuk, the coming destruction concerning the armies of the Babylonians, and then also the complete desolation of the land uh, and the herd, the livestock that would be left barren. And so we find the situation of Habakkuk, it was going from bad to worse to catastrophic. Uh, everything he knew, everything that he loved was about to be destroyed by the incoming Babylonians. And so we find the crisis here within the first couple of verses, but the next as we continue, I want you to notice with me, uh, not only the crisis, but we find the choice. Notice here the choice of Habakkuk. And the fact of the matter is for us here this morning as well, in every single circumstance that we face within this life, we too have a choice. Uh, we have a decision and a choice when it comes to our attitude. We can look around and look at our circumstances and begin to gripe and complain, or we can look up and look at our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we can rejoice. I think about what Corey Tenboom said many years ago. If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at God, you will be at rest. And here, as we think about the next verse in verse number 18, the Bible says, yet I will rejoice. Right? Despite the crisis, despite the coming destruction, uh, despite the complete desolation, yet I will rejoice. And in the latter portion there, he says, I will joy. 
Uh, I think about those words here this morning, will rejoice. In the Hebrew, it speaks about uh, the idea to jump for joy. Uh, and then as we think about the words, I will joy, uh, it gives the idea and the picture to spin around. Uh, and so the picture or the imagery that we find here within this verse is somebody who is to jump and, and spin around, excited, filled with jubilation and joy and excitement within his heart. Now, I don't know if Habakkuk actually did that. Uh, I don't know if he physically started jumping up and down and started rejoicing uh, concerning his situation there, but I know in his heart it describes a spirit of jubilation. It describes a spirit of excitement that he had that yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I think about my youngest child, Luke, and a few months ago, we were getting ready to go to a birthday party, and, and uh, Luke came into the living room. He asked why we were all getting ready, and uh, I told him, Luke, we're about to go to a birthday party here in about an hour. Go get your clothes on, and, and uh, we're going to leave here uh, in, in about an hour's time. And I remember how he responded to that. Immediately, he started jumping up and down. And uh, immediately he started running around our coffee table and at the top of his lungs for about the next 10 minutes he kept yelling, I'm going to a party, I'm going to a party, I'm going to a party. And he was spinning around throughout that entire living room. And I wonder here this morning what would cause you to jump for joy and to spin around. Uh, maybe if you received an announcement after chapel that tomorrow all classes are canceled. Maybe some of you would jump up and down and begin to spin around. Uh, maybe if you received an announcement here this morning that somebody uh, that was wealthy came by and paid off your entire school bill, you would be excited about that. Or if maybe somebody came and said, for this uh, lunch hour today, we have free in and out double-doubles for everybody. That'd be exciting. You would, you would rejoice about that here this morning. You see, Habakkuk had that spirit. I want you to notice with me, he wasn't delusional. Uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't crazy. This wasn't some type of superficial form of positive thinking, but this was a genuine joy rooted in good and logical reasons. And we'll get to that here in a moment. But the truth that I want us to understand at this point is that joyfulness and a spirit of rejoicing is not something that is contingent upon favorable circumstances and positive emotional feelings, but joy is a choice. Joy is a decision. Uh, it is not that one cannot be joyful because of their dire situation, but rather it is that one will not be joyful because ultimately he or she chooses not to rejoice. And I understand here this morning nobody's perfect when it comes to rejoicing. Right? We all have our ups and downs. We all have the struggles that we face within this life. Nevertheless, we must always realize uh, as a Christian, one who has trusted in Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, one who has the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit of God, that in every single circumstance and situation that we face within this life, joy is always possible for the born-again believer. For in every single season, we have the Spirit of God. And the Bible teaches us that it's a fruit of the Spirit for one who is walking faithfully in the truth. In Galatians 5.22, the Bible teaches us, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. It comes from the power of the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible teaches us in Romans 15, 13, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that he may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. I think about a story concerning an elderly lady. She was 92 years old and legally blind, and she admitted herself into a nursing home. 
And as she was being led to her room, the attendant began to describe her room. She told her about the furniture and the colors on the wall and also the new set of curtains that were recently installed. And immediately this elderly lady who was legally blind responded, I love it, I love it, I love all of it. The attendant replied to this lady, but Mrs. Jones, you haven't even seen your room yet, and how is it, and how that room is arranged? And that lady replied to that attendant, whether I like my room or not doesn't depend on how it's arranged. It's how I have arranged my mind. And you see, according to the Bible, joy is not an option to be considered, but rather it is a commandment to be obeyed. And God gives us the ability to obey, to rejoice, through the Spirit of God. We find that command continuously throughout the Scripture. Psalm 97, verse number 12, Rejoice in the Lord, ye righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of His holiness. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, Rejoice evermore. I think about what one commentator said concerning this passage of Scripture. He said, The words I will revealed Habakkuk's belief that he could choose his response to loss, either to sink into despair or to rejoice in God's redeeming power, his decision to rejoice wasn't a denial of the pain. It was a decision of trust based on the truth that God would remain with him to be his strength and enabler. And so to rejoice is a choice. Uh, it is a command that comes from the Lord, one that we must obey not in our own strength, but through the strength and the power that comes through the Holy Spirit of God. And so we find here this morning uh, the crisis that was, that was in Habakkuk's life, the coming destruction, the complete desolation. And then we find the choice that he made a decision, yet I will rejoice. And then I want you to notice with me, thirdly, we find here the causes. The causes for his rejoicing. Why was he able to rejoice and have that spirit of joy within his life? And I want you to notice with me several truths here as we think about the causes and the reasons. And first of all, in verse number 18, I find here the stability of God. The stability of God. He says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. And as we think about that title of the Lord, Jehovah, it emphasizes his attribute as being the self-existent one. It emphasizes his attribute as being the eternal one. And this title refers to the fact that God is unaffected by time, that he is everlasting, and therefore he is immutable. He is unchanging. He is always the same yesterday and today and forever. In Malachi chapter 3, verse number 6, the Bible says, For I am the Lord, I change not, therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. In James chapter 1, verse 17, it says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And in essence, what Habakkuk was saying is, God, uh, I don't understand everything. Uh, I don't quite understand why you're bringing the Chaldeans. I don't understand why you have uh, raised up King Nebuchadnezzar. I don't understand the judgment that's coming on the nation of Judah. I don't understand why the country and the land must be destroyed and left desolate. However, I realize and recognize that you are God. I realize and recognize that you never change, that you're always the same, that you're immutable, and therefore you're always perfect. In every single circumstance and situation in life, you're always wise and you're always powerful and you're always right and you are always good in every single circumstance that I face within this life. The Bible says in Psalm 106, verse number one, praise ye the Lord, O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. 
And because God never changes, and because God is always good, that means we can always trust in the Lord concerning his good purposes and his beneficent plan that he has for each and every single one of us. And understanding the character of God, that allows us to rejoice. Uh, that allows us to have a spirit and an attitude of joy, realizing that God has a good purpose for the situations that we face. In Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. How do we know that? Because we know his character. We, we know his attribute. We know that he's immutable. He's the same, and he's always good. In 1851, at the age of 57, a missionary by the name of Alan Gardner, a faithful missionary to the Picton Island at the southern tip of South America, uh, died of disease and starvation. And when his body was found, his diary lay nearby, and it bore the record of his final days of hunger and of thirst and, and of loneliness and, and the wounds that he was suffering from. And as they went to that final page in that diary, they came to his final entrance there, and, and, and they could see that in his final moments, with just a little bit of strength that he had, that he had uh, shakily began writing some words to record his thoughts. And at the very end of his life, he wrote down these words. He said, I am overwhelmed. He said, I am overwhelmed with a sense of the goodness of God. And even in those final moments in loneliness, in pain as he was suffering, he was overwhelmed concerning the goodness and the grace of God within his life. And so we find here Habakkuk was rejoicing because of the stability of God, uh, the character of God, that he's always the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then also I want you to notice with me not only the stability of God, but also the salvation of God. It says in verse number 18, it continues, I will joy in the God of my salvation. And could I say here this morning that no matter what we go through in this life, if we have been saved and we have Jesus Christ as our Savior and the Holy Spirit of God abides within us, then we can always rejoice in our salvation. That even in death, we have waiting for us a home in heaven. That even in death, we have waiting for us uh, the joys and the inheritance of God and the fellowship of loved ones and, and bliss forevermore in the presence of our Savior. And the greatest reason to rejoice for the Christian is that God has forgiven our sins, uh, that God has allowed us to be part of the family of God, that he has provided for us the gift of salvation, that we have today everlasting life and our names are written in heaven. I think about what we read in Luke chapter 10. Uh, we find there the disciples that return to the Lord Jesus Christ and they give a report concerning the blessings. They're excited about uh, what they were able to experience. And in verse number 17, the Bible reads there, and the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And then in verse number 20, he says, Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. 
And here were the followers, the 70 that returned, and, and they were excited. They got to see some amazing things. They got to uh, see the demons flee as they had the power of God upon their lives. And they had a lot of blessings from what they were able to experience. And they came back to the Lord, and the Lord said, that's wonderful and that's great. But he says, this you ought to rejoice in, and this ought to be a greater uh, joy within your heart because your names are written in heaven. Uh, because you have salvation, because you have a home where you can reside for all of eternity. And so we find here that Habakkuk was rejoicing in the Lord because of the stability of God, because of the salvation of God, and then lastly here this morning, because of the strength of God. And it says in verse number 19, the Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hinds feet, and he will make me to walk upon mine high places. And the word hind there speaks about a deer, and. Just like the strength and power of a deer, Habakkuk says, in my distress and in my crisis, I will rejoice not only because of God's stability and not only because of his salvation, but also because of the strength that he provides, that God will strengthen me through these seasons, uh, that God will give me grace in these circumstances of difficulty. And just as a deer swiftly uh, navigates through some rough mountainous terrains, God will strengthen and guide me through these rough patches within my life, and therefore I can rejoice in his power. I can rejoice in his strength and in his grace. I think about the verse in Isaiah chapter 40, verse number 31. The Bible reads there, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. I remember a few weeks ago, I was uh, preaching out on the weekend, and early Saturday morning, I, I went out for a jog. And uh, I wasn't very familiar with that area, and so I ran down uh, the main street there that was in front of my hotel, and, and then I made a turn into a neighborhood. And as soon as I made that turn, there was this large hill that was going downwards and and i started running down that neighborhood street and started picking up some speed as i was running down and then about halfway down that hill i had this thought and the thought was i hope i do not have to run back up this hill uh, i hope there's another way out of this neighborhood and and as i was running down i got to the bottom of that hill and sure enough i saw this yellow sign and on that yellow sign it said no outlet dead end and so I stopped and I pulled out my cell phone and I started searching just to make sure if there was another street that would take me out of that neighborhood. And sure enough, there was nothing. And, and so I turned around and I started going up that hill. And, and about halfway through, I felt like I was going to die. I mean, I was running out of breath. It was hard for me to breathe. My legs started feeling like jello. And, and for some reason in that moment where I just felt like I had no more strength, I... I had a thought in my mind, and I don't know why this popped into my mind, but, but it was the thought of Thomas the Choo Choo Train and uh, the, the, the animation that my children watch. And, and for some reason, I was, I was telling myself, I think I can, and I think I can. And, and I kept trying to jog up that hill, and eventually my body just gave up, and, and I couldn't, and I stopped, and I slowly started walking up to the top of that hill. And as I got to the top, I had this thought as I was studying upon Isaiah 40, 31, wouldn't it be great if I could run and not get weary, right? Wouldn't it be great if I could walk and not fade? If I could mount up with wings of eagle and fly away, wouldn't that be awesome? And the fact of the matter is here this morning, physically, that's impossible, right? Physically, we can't run and not be weary. But the truth is, spiritually, we can. Spiritually, God has more strength for you. 
And God has more power for you this morning. And God has more grace for you this morning. And you might feel like you're running up that hill. And you might feel like in the circumstance and the situation that you're in right now that you have no more strength, you have no more power. But the fact of the matter is here this morning that God has strength for you. And God wants to make your feet like Heinz feet. And he wants to give you the strength and the power so that you can continue, so that you can live faithfully and victoriously for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we find here Habakkuk in a very difficult crisis. He had a choice. Yet I will rejoice. He was not rejoicing in himself. He was not rejoicing in favorable circumstances. But he was rejoicing in the Lord. The character of God. His stability. His salvation. And then the provision of his strength. Let's pray.